the mantle from, uh, particularly from the story of Elijah and Elisha. And we concentrated last week on uh, catching the mantle uh, rather than casting. So I said this week we'd talk about casting the mantle. If you weren't here last week, of course, you can download it. And actually, if you want to really understand what we're saying, it would be a good idea to do that. Uh, but this week, we're going to look at uh, casting the mantle. Right? There's Elisha and uh, Elijah and the oxen and the mantle and so on and so forth. Uh, yes. All right. Why is this so important? Well, continually, uh, we sense God has spoken to us about that. That's why we do what we do so much in terms of uh, seeking to train and develop. It's why we have groups. It's why we have doulos. It's why we do so many of these uh, th things because it's, we're not interested in just sort of preaching or teaching and then going on, but we're committed it's never been sufficient for us simply to know. We have to, if we know, then we believe we have to do. And God has spoken through his word about going making disciples of all nations, training, imparting, uh, and it's the pattern that he left us uh, in the work and the way that he did it. And he's been speaking to us again about uh, the future and uh, how he's, how he's going to do it. Uh, this whole business of investing uh, in giving and training and actually practicing, uh, getting on with actually doing it. Now, we've done a lot of that, but we want to do better at getting others to, as it were, come with us, to come alongside. We feel that's something God's saying at this time, to, to draw alongside. And so that's why we're talking about this, so you've got a sound biblical basis and understand that this is not just some fad but it's the thing that God gave us to do. Of course the purpose of it is that you actually do something about it. The purpose of talking about catching uh, the mantle or casting the mantle is there's actually some action that follows from that. Otherwise it's just another talk or teaching and it just falls away. So it's a move uh, forward in obedience to him. Question. Uh, mm, what have you done about it <coughs> since last week? Catching. Remember the illustrations? Remember how Owen had a starring role in that? Huh? Remember that? I mean, he always has a starring role in whatever he does, takes after his father. See, guys, not a lot of point unless we actually activate the thing. Of course, if you don't agree with it, you don't do it. But if you agree with it, then actually doing something about it. You say, I, don't, I, oh, I can't remember. Okay, well... That's why it's all recorded. That's why you can listen to it again. That's why it's possible to access that. But it's a very rude question. What have you done about it since last week? Well, we, we're not in the habit of giving the third degree. I, I mean, we could bring that in, you know. Get someone there and get some spotlights on them, some bright lights and come in at all, you know. Yeah, we could try that. Yeah, don't work, does it? <laughs> All right, so the mantle we're talking about is the anointing, that God-given ability which goes beyond natural ability. It's that which God has imparted to us that we might also pass on to others. It's part of the gifting of God. And Elijah's responsibility, uh, he had to obey God's command to call Elisha, you remember in the story, uh, he couldn't just do his own thing. He had to uh, follow the instruction. 
you know, he didn't just think, mm, I like the look of Elisha, he looks like a likely lad, I think, uh, I think my mantle might fit him, let's have a go. It's not in that realm, it's under God's direction. Uh, and of course, um, the interesting thing, that he didn't stop and give up at that point. You remember he kept on moving. You remember the story from last week? I didn't really want to read it again this week. But he moves on from one place to another. In fact, he actually tells Elisha, well, you know, you, you want to kiss your mum and dad goodbye? Well, it's up to you, you know, do what you want. It's kind of, there was a, a, a sense that he had imparted and done what he needed to do. And then he goes on from one place to another and each place he says, no, you stay here and uh, Elisha follows. So he kept moving on in the purpose of God. <clears throat> he had to give what he had freely, just as God had directed. You know, <clears throat> there was no place for him to be saying, well, I've had this anointing. I mean, look at some of the things I've done. If I give it to Elisha, uh, you know, he's going to be doing it and not me. Uh, he had to be ready to give what he had not to hold it to himself, uh, to freely receive and freely give according to the scripture. And like that, we become that kind of channel through which God flows his goodness. If we don't give out, we become like a stagnant pool. You know, it's water that's not moving becomes stagnant. But there's a purpose in God that there's this giving out and receiving in. And he had to be willing to give freely. Then, of course, as part of the training, uh, there was the testing. You know, well, you can stay with your mum and dad or uh, stay here or stay there. Or Then, of course, the final thing was when he takes his cloak and hits the water and goes across on dry ground. Kind of testing time when Elisha picks it up and uh, he says, hmm, this is what Elijah did. This was the anointing. But very, very interesting. I th think we talked about this last week. He calls on God. He recognizes that this is not something from a person. This is something through a person from God himself. Very, very key. And so Elisha is tested as part of what he's doing. And then we also see that Elijah didn't, didn't sort of do a structured program uh, because uh, laying out the, you know, the next ten steps. Basically, uh, he was empowering him to fulfill what God said, not controlling him. Uh, many of you would not be aware of this, but there was an erroneous teaching that became popular. It didn't really affect us, but it became popular through some of the sort of house church type churches some years ago. Um, and it completely missed the point. And it went into controlling rather than empowering. And uh, you've got such silly nonsense that came out of it. Uh, blow your mind. I won't bother you with it, but uh, it's, it's, it's a sad thing when there's a deviation uh, from the truth into an application which is more about the insecurities of man than the will of God. And so he was trusting that God would take him, take them into, uh, in this case Elisha, into what he had ordained for him not needing to control. So, uh, what are the qualities needed to cast a mantle? These are key things. I know we're doing it in a humorous way, but it's key things that we need to take in in terms of giving what we have to somebody and what's required and we want you to grasp what, what is required because we believe that many of you will take this seriously and want to do it. And we want you to be equipped to do it. Of course, to be honest, uh, you don't give anything unless you think you've got something to give. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, oh, I can't give that. It's not, it's not good enough or it's not up to scratch. What, what, can I, what can I get for them? I don't know what to get. I don't know what, you know, don't know. The truth of the matter is um, 
And if you feel like that when it comes to my birthday, I'll always help you, you know what I mean? If only I knew. <laughs> the, the fact of the matter, we have to be convinced that we have something to give. And I want us to uh, recognize some of the things that creep in. I'll use a few Bible instances so that you see. Um, Gideon, remember who God was raising up to lead the children of Israel. His position was, well, you see, I can't do it. Remember, this is the person who's hiding in a pit and God comes um, in abject fear and God comes along and says, mighty man of war, mighty warrior. See, God saw something which Gideon didn't see himself. He saw beyond where he was. And then his reply, Gideon's reply is, well, my clan, tribe, is the, is the weakest of the whole lot. And actually, within that, I am the least of even that clan. Just insignificant, not able, nothing to give. Think about the spies that went into the uh, promised land. There are those that came back with the, with the good report. Those are others that came back and all they could see was the giants. And they got into such a state that they were regarding themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of the enemy. And they were actually attributing to the enemy something that the enemy hadn't even said. We looked like grasshoppers in their sight. They were the ones that came up with that perception. Hadn't got it from the enemy. I have nothing to offer. Then you've got Moses. <clears throat> I'm not smart enough. I, I'm not a good speaker. I don't have the ability to communicate. And God gives him the answer to that. What about in Isaiah? Where um, the prophet speaks of the mistakes that he's made. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And in addition to which, I'm completely condemned because my eyes have seen the king. Just couldn't do it. Just have made mistakes. Just have got a bad record. And then, of course, we know in the story that God empowers him. <clears throat> takes that symbol of the hot coal from the altar to touch his lips. It's a symbol of the anointing. It shows that God can transform uh, and use and develop for whatever he needs as we submit to his purpose. What about poor David? When the prophet was choosing who should go. And do you remember where he parades all his sons? And then the prophet is not convinced. <clears throat> prophet says, is that all you've got? And then it seems that dad remembers, oh yeah, there's that other one. The youngest one. He just, I mean, you know, he couldn't do anything. He's just in the, looking after the sheep. I mean... When your own dad disses you like that, you've got some way to climb, haven't you? If he forgets you even exist, and then says he can't be of any use at all, he's uh, just useful for the, looking after the sheep. It's not a good start, but God had a purpose. Let's not get trapped into this idea, I have nothing to give. Look to try and apply these things um, by I don't want to lose it just in the biblical examples I think this is so critical and whilst it's vital that we see biblical examples in the different things that we're doing and asking people to, to share in it's I want us to see that this is a real, living, practical thing that God calls us to do. And therefore, uh, I've asked Jamie and Jeremy to um, share a little bit of their interaction together. Yeah. Um, so, Jeremy's a little bit surprised because I forgot to tell him I was doing this. Um, 
what, what we wanted to do was kind of take, uh, remove a little bit of the mystery around what it is to, to cast the mantle. And so I was actually looking at a video that Jeremy had done for the youth, um, just talking about hospitality. But when we were thinking about it, it was like, well, that really fits in quite well with what we're talking about. So I want you to hear what Jeremy experienced, and then I'll tell you from my perspective what was going on. So how was life when you were younger? Yeah, um, when I first went up into youth, I was basically absolutely terrified of, of going into youth, and I, it just seemed like the scariest thing. I did not want to do it. I did not want to go, um, and it was a real struggle for me. Um, I know that Jamie really wanted me to kind of move up into youth and become a part of that, but I just wasn't having any of it because I just saw these scary old people that I didn't want to mix with, really. Um, and so I would kind of actively run away. Um, and basically, Jamie kind of pursued me and encouraged me to come along. And he didn't stop at anything. Um, he'd invite me around every Friday night for dinner. And we'd hang out and have a laugh. And then afterwards, he'd kind of say, so, uh, yeah, it's youth tonight. You fancy coming along? <laughs> and, um, and I'd just be like, no, there's no way. That, you know, that's not happening. Um, and so I'd go home. And I'd just flat out reject him pretty much every night for quite a long time. Um, until one day, I can't actually remember when it happened, but something clicked and I, I actually decided to go along. Um, and let me just look at the next point on the notes. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, that process of becoming a part of the youth and growing up in that was, it still wasn't easy. Like, even when I decided to come along, it was very hard for, for quite a while. Um, but Jamie really welcomed me into it and made sure that he made me feel at home um, and welcome. He would invite me, Daniel Jones, Nick Brewer, and, and Tom Rowe round every Thursday night, and we'd play uh, laser tag, which was crazy, and I loved it. But it, it really helped me feel a part of that group and, and build some friendships. Um, and really, during that time, Jamie kind of basically represented God's heart to me, um, God's kind of welcoming, accepting heart, because the truth is, like, God was standing there with open arms welcoming me into youth. I didn't see that, but he chose Jamie to teach me that um, by empowering Jamie to kind of embody that aspect of his character. Um, so that was really powerful to me. And should I tell the story about the church holiday? Yeah. <laughs> there was another really extreme example where I think we were on the church holiday and it was the youth day away, which is kind of, I think it was on the Wednesday, we go away to like a village hall and, um, and spend the day together. And again, like I just... I did not want to go there. Like It just seemed the most um, scary thing for me to do. So again, I, I actively ran away at this point. Um, I think the youth were getting ready to leave, and I ran into my tent and, and zipped up the compartment. <laughs> and I was, um, I was just in there kind of refusing to come out. But again, Jamie kind of followed me um, into the tent and was like, he just stood outside the compartment talking to me for a long, long time. I don't even think I was responding to him. I don't think I was talking to him. But he just still kind of was communicating his desire for me to, to be a part of that group, um, even though I was just, again, completely rejecting him. Um, but again, that, that communicates something of God's heart, that he will run after us and find us, even when we're, we're rejecting him. Um, so that was really powerful to me as well. What's next? Uh, yeah, so I mean, basically, I I still felt really uncomfortable and and scared of youth, but I knew that as long as Jamie was there, I would feel welcomed and accepted. Um, so there were times when I'd, I'd walk into a room and there'd be loads of people I didn't know, and I'd be like, "Oh, where do I put myself? Who do I talk to?" But Jamie would actively kind of run over to me and involve me in the conversation and find a way of of making me connect with somebody, um, and. However difficult the situation seemed, I knew that, that he was a safe person to be with, that he could, um, could welcome me in that situation and communicate God's heart to me. So that was really powerful. Yeah. So now, I've kind of find myself um, taking what, what Jamie did to me and, and almost kind of doing that to others. Not kind of consciously, but I just know that that, that period of me kind of going into youth, God was stockpiling truths in my mind he was teaching me so much um, about his character, about his love, uh, giving me strategies and ways to welcome other people and to make them feel welcome as, as I felt welcomed. 
and I just find myself kind of naturally doing it now almost without even thinking. Um, and I know that that's God's method of, of training me up in that area was using Jamie over a period of time uh, to communicate his heart to me so I can then communicate that to others. So I think almost by stealth, God raised me up in that and, and trained me to do that. So um, I found it quite interesting listening to, to Jeremy that, and, and to be honest, I'm always amazed when I'm seeing him sharing what God's doing in him and the opportunity that he has to reach out to other people. And just when you hear the story of how it was, just our God's a faithful God. Um, but I was trying to think, right, let's demystify this whole thing of casting the mantle. I didn't have a 10-step plan for training Jeremy. I didn't have um, a vision of how he would then reach out to other people nice and succinct. What I did was I just gave the little that I had, which was to care, to include, to welcome, to love. And God took that and multiplied that and used that for something. And so I, w I was trying to think, could we use a meatloaf song? I always feel better when we can use a meatloaf song. But uh, the song um, is... Uh, I'd do anything for love, but I wouldn't do that. And there's a bit where it's, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I said, well, would you do this? Yeah, I can do that. Would you do this? Well, yeah, I can do that. Would you do this? Yeah, I'll do that. And that, that's what I feel that God's saying. It might be that we're standing here, well, I can't do all of those things. I can't be Elijah to Elisha, but I can do that. I can love. I can care. I can reach out. I can welcome someone. I can think of someone outside of what I'm comfortable to think of. I can do that. And that's, that's kind of the challenge today. What can you do? What is, what is the bit that you can do? Oh, I've not got all these great things. You don't need to. What have you got? And give that. Because um, those of you that haven't heard more of Jeremy's story... He wasn't just being obstropolous or difficult. Uh, he was struggling with enormous, uh, and what do you call it, emotional, psychological problems. Um, and what we see today is something of the miracle power of what God has done. Uh, and just while we're talking about that, same thing for Alan. I mean, the miracle. He just had this holiday in France. Uh, the miracle power of God when he, somebody couldn't go out of his house. But that was a process, you know, over a long period of time and coming and then the first bus journey and I mean, remember all those things. I, I can't go on too long because I sound like an old man if I'm rem reminiscing like that. But I tell you what, I do like to recognize God at work. I revel in... in hearing and declaring. I went home last week after listening to the testimonies of the Doulos people and then the trainers when we had lunch together afterwards. I mean, it was just buzzing. This is God at work. And I think to celebrate that and enjoy that is so critical and important. So what have you got to give? <clears throat> well, let me kind of divide this into two parts. Yes, there has to be so It doesn't just happen. It has to be intentional. Uh, there has to be a desire to love, to give, to serve. Um, actually deciding to do it. And there are the, what I'm going to call the lifestyle things, <clears throat> which, yes, it is still intentional because it's, Intentional to love and care for people. I'm just picking two or three things um, from my own experience just, just to share with you because it's very important that we don't sort of promote this into some, as Jamie already said, some biblical story or event at the same time to understand the basis for it. Um, lifestyle. Uh, just mention... I'll just mention one which I've talked about before. When um, we first were mixing uh, and connecting with uh, Kerry Jones, who was here a couple of years ago, 
um, who we were much involved with in our early days. Uh, the lifestyle. Um, and I actually saw it, the thing, in many different ways. And the thing that, that really somehow, it's almost, you know, sometimes God puts his spotlight on something. We were sitting in their living room and noticing that they obviously were struggling. You know, there was a, an old settee, there was a threadbare piece of carpet. And he was telling us a story how um, he'd been somewhere and he'd ministered. And he said, it was so wonderful. They gave me this gift. And I'm sitting, I think they had two or three little children then. And I'm thinking, well, praise God. You know, there's no washing machine. There's nothing, you know, a bit of threadbare carpet. He said, yes, it was so, so wonderful because a few days afterwards, a missionary came through and I was able to give them a gift. Mm-hmm. There's something about receiving in order to give, about being a channel. And it went deep inside. I saw it. And that's... He wasn't teaching me anything. That was just, he was just chattering away about what was his normal life. So there are things, and I don't want to underestimate this, there are things which is part of our intention to give, love, care, serve, but they happen out of the life that we lead, about the heart to embrace people, the heart to, like in his situation, the, the heart to have a stay with them and and open their home and give and share what they had, no matter how little it was. Then there's what I call the the more functional things. And uh, when way back when I was serving as a, an assistant to one of the national evangelists uh, and doing this crusade, and he was a uh, healing, I had seen great healings and people coming to the Lord. And I was there and I was to carry on like a special follow-up week after the week of crusade. And I was having to check the, the adverts in the papers. So it was a big, I mean, it's adverts and going around the streets. It was a big thing uh, in uh, an area of Cabri Heath in Bristol. And I, it was my job to do everything. By the way, I mean, he, he was like a human dynamo and he believed in working everybody around him like a dog, you know, so it was hard work. He, I read this paper and it's come and hear evangelists Melvin Banks and John Singleton. And then it's come and hear evangelist John Singleton. So I went to him and I said, Melvin, um, I've been, uh, you know, used to preaching the gospel and that sort of thing. But I mean, all this healing and the things that... He says, all right, I'm going to pray for you. And so he did. And so we had the week and probably saw more things happen in the second week than the first week. That was an intentional uh, time of, as it were, passing the anointing. I've known it also at times uh, with prophets like Scott Webster. Just somehow coming in under that anointing. So you know that you're stepping under a mantle that is, that is somebody else's and uh, a very key and important thing to do. I also remember, um, and again, I'm, I'm going back, uh, in the early days when all the churches were being formed and house churches and coming together and it was happening at such a huge pace of things. And in the middle of that, the first person that had come out to serve with Bryn, and this was a new thing altogether, was the one that he called the administrator. And we had got a wrong idea of administration, uh, and that's what God had to correct. And this person, a guy called Mike Stevens, he was called uh, to go and serve for a period of time in the States. And they decided that I would be the one who took this on. And he came and he said, I'm going to pray for you. And he said, I'm going to pray for a double portion of that anointing so that you'll be able to do things which you've never done before. And of course, that's exactly what happened as things moved on. So 
I'm talking about lifestyle where there's a, an intention to serve and give, but it comes out of how we are and what we do. Then there can be times of specific things uh, as we pick up and see that we want to get hold of what somebody's doing. Actually, we have an opportunity to be part of the Great Commission. Go into everywhere, which includes here, and make disciples. That's, that's, the, that's what God says to us. It rings down through the ages. So, what have we got to give? Okay. <clears throat> you know this. I want to remind us of it. You have got, boxed up in you, the most vital, important, and precious thing that exists in the whole wide world. Boxed up inside you. Clothed, clothed in Richard November. Clothed in Antony is the Word of God, the life of God, power of the Holy Spirit. We have clothed inside us the answer. Don't let, don't let any little deceiving demon try to play down that you're carrying the most precious, significant thing that anybody could ever have. You know the living God. You have been brought into a relationship. Not only do you know as learning from a book, you know as being brought into a family. He is your father. You've been brought into a place, into a family, and the revelation of who God is, the revelation of relationship has been imparted to you by a miracle of grace. Don't ever, don't ever, ever, ever be trapped into the idea you have nothing to give because you have the most valid and necessary, important thing that could ever exist in this whole world. It's in, it's in you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in our mortal bodies. You know, we humbly receive power to be the greater or the better because God has come and set his love upon us. Isn't that good? Hmm? Did you realize how important that person was that you're sitting next to? Does it make you want to sit on the floor rather than sit next to them? Because how can you, how can you sit next to somebody as important as that? Anybody risk looking in the mirror this morning? What did you see? I mean, apart from handsome, wealthy, good-looking, what did you see? Eh? I looked there this morning and I said, hey, what a beautiful picture of the person that Jesus loves. Yeah? Yeah? My wife shouldn't be allowed to laugh in the front row. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. We have got the living spirit of Almighty God in us. We're equipped by Him, commissioned by Him to go into all the world and make disciples. We have what it's needed. We have what it takes. Because He put it there. Nothing more valuable and to share that real relationship with the living God. And we have this word that God is saying about giving a certain sound. We don't have to wrap it up. We don't have to disguise it. I don't like to talk about being Christian. because that covers a multitude of sins as far as I'm concerned. I don't even like to talk church. I prefer to talk community because once I've said church, I've then got to kind of eliminate a lot of things which are false impressions. Yes, we have to be, have the wisdom of God in our communication. I was impressed again as I watched uh, Archbishop of Canterbury uh, this morning with Andrew Marr. Uh, okay, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd steer him on one or two points, but somebody who knows where they stand, 
who is willing to say with a certain sound, a clear sound, a definite sound, I know God. I gave my life to him. He lives in me. That's a very, very key thing. Yeah? So let us celebrate that. Let us recognize that. Let us declare that. Let us not be afraid to give this clear and definite sound. You want to know the way? I know the way. Then ten men from all languages and nations will take hold of the hem of a Jew and say, let us go with you because we perceive that God is with you. That's what we want, that certain sound, that clarity, so that we can go. We have a rich heritage. We have the things that God has downloaded to us over a period of time. Edwin was talking to me about this last night. I mean, it's a private conversation, so I can't disclose what he said. Only amongst friends, of course. He said, I've tasted, and it spoiled me. There's, a, there's something of the reality and truth of living, doing the things that we believe, that spoils for other things. Rich heritage, we have precious seed, which we're instructed to plant. And all we need to do is love and see that God has got something for a person beyond where they are. Call it having vision for them. And give according to what he says. All the way the Lord has led us. And we have so much that we're containing in these earthen vessels to give out. And do you know how it starts? It always starts in a little simple way. I thank God for this. I remember that. And as we begin, it's like, it's like priming the pump. And then we begin to recognize something of what he's done for us and what we've got. So we have to be accurate and give as... That is not me. <laughs> the glasses are all wrong. Do they have to need to be ready to catch? Remember we're talking about casting and catching? Actually... Maybe, but we have to do as we're directed. You know, when I was first brought to a place of the possibility of receiving, I wasn't ready. But it didn't stop people doing what God had given them to do, and that became a critical and vital thing in coming days. So, as God directs. Do they need to be Christian? No. Nope. Uh, absolutely not. Go and make disciples of all nations. Don't say anything about being Christian. That's where they're going to end up, the servants of God. Do we have to judge that that person's not ready? Mm. No, we have to do what God gives us to do. You know? I don't have to work out those things. If we go to someone, God prompts us to go to someone and give something. We don't have to give them three questions or seven, ten questions or a questionnaire as to their suitability. We just have to do what God gives us to do. And you don't know. You don't know where it's going to lead. All we have to do is be obedient to God. Cast as God gives his direction. We have to be prepared to give ourselves. See, that picture is, is like a person in a box. Do you understand the picture? Yeah. It's a person in a box. So you've wrapped yourself up in a gift box and you're, you're giving yourself to somebody. How many people got that without my explanation? Put your hands up. How many people are very, very grateful for my explanation? Okay. Yes, look around, keep those hands up, those who are very grateful for my explanation. Eh? Thank you. You know, one of the first things that we can say, I, I don't know, I, have I got anything to give? We've just covered that in having this great salvation. But if the enemy can sap our confidence, he will, and he'll work on that. 
we have. We have a, and we gain our confidence from God. He gives us an opportunity. He puts in us his word, uh, the anointing, a desire to serve. And he goes before us to prepare the ground. And we are talking about giving of ourselves. This is not, this is not really, we're not talking about what we're doing here. It's more of a kind of lecture hall type thing. We're talking about opening ourselves, saying how we are, where we are, what's happening, expressing that, demonstrating it, showing it, the giving of ourselves. So, question. How about praying this? It's a question. Lord, how could I give of myself this week? Lord, will you show me how I could give of myself as a way of communicating something of God's heart and God's love to somebody. Cast by giving ourselves. Then, we have to risk it. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power, And authority. <laughs> to drive out all demons. And cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, <laughs> no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town, shake, off, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and made her stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is to be the greatest. Okay. Obviously we're understanding that Jesus' first attempt at sending out the disciples had some hiccups. You know? uh, pride being one of them. Master. Master.
Master said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him. Because he's not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. problem of exclusism and superiority had to be dealt with. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead. He went to Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there didn't welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they asked Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Fire, and I bring you fire. <laughs> Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Pride, exclusivism, actually even suggestions of murder. <laughs> Here's the point, guys. How did Jesus react to the pretty disappointing results of his first ministry mission team? Luke 10, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Basically, he was not deterred by the result. He is committed to do, as always, what the Father gave him to do. And his response to that rather disappointing start was just to continue because that's what God had given him to do. You cast by risking it. I would say if I looked right now, some of my bigger disappointments would be where I have sought to serve and input those who have not continued to walk in that way, in that same way with the Lord. They continue to be that disappointment. But I would still continue to do the very thing that God says to do. Hmm. Let's go back to a question. Can you cast if no one is catching? Hmm? You give as God points out. Sometimes it seems to work and sometimes it doesn't. But actually, we don't know the end of the story. And don't give to others based on your expectation of their response. We do it as God tells us to do it. We continue to give, and some indeed may respond. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, can I cast the good bits and, of me, and there's one or two bits that may be better to kind of hold back on? Actually, no. We give of ourselves. We communicate what we are. So it's not a pick and mix. Uh, we have to be clear, and that's why it's important that we walk right, because we will communicate otherwise uh, according to how we are. Uh, we reproduce, the Bible says, after our own kind. I would like to, um, because I'm so keen that we actually apply this to where we are, to also talk about casting our mantle on our children, especially parents, but not exclusively parents, because we can have an impact for God on children as God directs us. So there is a particular requirement on parents. You know what the Bible says? Train up a child in the way they should go. My own initial uh, experience of 
church Christianity was very, the very opposite of that. It was train up a child in the way they shouldn't go. And it was more about the negative than the positive. Well, we've got to make sure we don't fall into that. Now, I know this is high risk, but I thought we're about being real, we're about being vulnerable, so I might risk asking my children um, to see if we can draw anything from that. Now, I know that's high risk, and I'm hoping that we might moderate it a little bit with Heidi coming to share something as well. I'm not sure, but yeah? Okay, all right. So, these are my children. Two look like the mother, one looks like me. That's across the Esther Beer. Right. I'll just tell a story and you tell me what it fits into. No, we have certain points we had to have stories to match. I'm not really very good at that. So I told some stories and then they decided where they fitted in. Um, so when I was a couple of years younger, um, <clears throat> having lived at home, what I found is that my friends would always come around to my house, um, which in some ways was nice. You know, sometimes it was nice to go to someone else's house, but, but our house was the place of choice. And my food was the f food of choice, which would be frustrating. But, but actually, it came because mum and dad facilitated that. They were happy for, for me to be hospitable in that way or for us to be hospitable in that way. And they'd modelled that in terms of how they'd reached out to people and people are always around, around their house. So it was kind of like a natural extension to me to, to replicate that hospitality. And they particularly facilitated that by... Um, explaining what sort of food my friends could eat when they were there um, and, and how they should behave when they were there. Um, apparently, playing with lighters and lighting farts wasn't, wasn't appropriate behaviour, um, which, which Richard Wright did learn. <laughs> right, so casting, the, there was a responsibility to model and then to facilitate um, your child coming up with their own expression of that. Um, we have one for serious about the word of God. Was that the extended family? So one of the other things, look, it's all me, um, was obviously when we were growing up, mum and dad kind of practiced a, an open home, an extended family type scenario. And I saw how they drew people in uh, and reached out to people and included people within family time. Um, within reason, and um, that's one of the things that Judy and myself have taken on and wanted to replicate, kind of seeing how blessed we've been in that, that we want to, as much as possible, allow other people to, to access that as part of our, our giving back. Yeah, so, that, so the Word of God talks about making an inclusive family, very biblical, and so one of the things that we were always taught was this is the expression of that verse. And there'll be times where I've seen mum and dad trying to work through something they've got from a biblical basis and therefore think, okay, well, this stuff does actually matter. It actually does mean something. Um, and so that was Nathan's experience with the, with the family side. You want to say something? All right. Um, the thing that you'll, you'll see is that... I mean, I was aghast when he talked about having people around. Instead of doing a Bible study, they were playing laser tag, whatever that is. Uh, I mean, can you believe I'm thinking that 
he's got his friends around there sitting down reading Leviticus. Yeah. And, no, and he's a real wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, okay. Uh, here's the point that I want to communicate, and we, we've got a couple of more things to share. That This is about living life and doing what's... It's not just about trying to kind of do what we might deem a religious exercise. In fact, one of the most sobering experiences we had was when um, Alan and Jenny Wright, uh, very close, uh, families were similar age, we did a lot of things together, and... Oh, sorry. That's right. That's right. You carry on then. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it was. It was thought it was a good idea to get our family and the rights together for a, like a worship time thing. Family, family worship time. Didn't work that well. <laughs> So, but that's the right thing. That's the kind of thing you should do. So, you know, lots of people would have kind of just plugged on and pioneered that. But we, we changed that and instead we had donuts, which of course I'm a picture of now. <laughs> Donut over worship. But part of the thing was that um, it wasn't about doing the spiritual religious type activity. It was about the thing that was happening underneath. And that was more important than putting on appearance, doing the thing that people expect you to do or you should be doing as the, you know, the vicar's family and all that kind of stuff. It was a different kind of approach. <laughs> we were asked to say, we'd been trying to come up with stories about enthusiasm <laughs> for... Um, enthusiasm for the things of God. So there's mum trying to escape meetings. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> and this face. <laughs> Mum's very, yeah, that's right. Mum is very enthusiastic about Christmas. That's obviously because that's when Jesus was born there. <laughs> Not any of the other reasons. <laughs> but let me, let, me, let me just link. One, one of the Christmas things, I suppose, is key. Because um, some of you, some of you have, have talked about the singleton lock-in, that um, that for a period of two or three weeks, uh, <laughs> um, we lock in around Christmas and and we all move back into the house and that kind of thing. But I think that's quite important because um, that that's a time where we we just have us we just kind of do our own family thing because part of the whole. Open house thing is there's a lot of people coming through and stuff. Now, I can name a whole bunch of Christmases on Christmas Day where we went out praying for people and doing different things. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't outside to break that. But actually part of that key family investment uh, meant that, that we do have the lock-in over Christmas. Shorter now. Um, in terms of enthusiasm, one of the things I got to see uh, Dad do when we were in Zimbabwe... Um, he was really eager to try and uh, have a conversation with a couple that were on the brink of a divorce, and Dad was very determined to, to try and bring God's word into that situation. And if you, if you want enthusiasm, jumping out of a moving car was the enthusiasm that I saw. We were just about to be going home. The driver's driving away, and then he spots them there standing outside, and he's opening the door and climbing out before the vehicles come to a stop. So that would be one of the areas I've seen, seen that enthusiasm. Um, he didn't know the car was moving. Um, in terms of some of the other things, um, gave exposure uh, for, for the things that were going on. Um, times where uh, Dad's allowed me into some of the things that he's aware of and concerns that he's got for people enables me to, to then seek God for my own compassion and my own heart for, for someone. Um, it was even in the case of, of Jeremy, uh, knowing the difficulties he was going through, my dad had talked with me. Th these are some of the challenges that he's got. And then following on from that, he's able to hold a vision. You could be the difference. You could make a step here to include him and reach out to him. So it was actually that vision that he had for what I could be that enabled me to, to see it for myself and step into it. Um, validating was another thing that... that um, parents have the opportunity to do for, for casting the mantle. Um, 
I remember once dad saying to me, you've got a very sensitive spirit. And that's, that's unusual and that's good. And it was quite interesting because that's one of the things that I find probably the most annoying thing about myself, my sensitive spirit. But the fact that he spotted it, he identified it, and he said it was good meant that it's like, okay, I, I can have this. This is okay. And I wasn't constantly trying to shed it from myself. Heidi. Um, I just had some stories of my parents because um, quite like the Singleton family, my home that I grew up in was a very much an open home as well. And mum and dad really had um, the heart for broken people. And we had all kinds of people in our home. And I think that was one thing that they really passed on to their children. And But also in that, they made some conscious decisions to... Um, there was one thing... Um, they used to call specials, which was like dates with dad. So my dad gave very specific times to each of his individual children to do things that they particularly enjoyed, that they would feel special about investing um, in me personally, um, in, in that I was important. So they had all these people in their home, and yet I was specifically really important to them. And I feel that that's something that God's given me in that... Um, He's given me a heart to see people restored, but he's also giving me that desire to want to kind of invest specifically in my own children for that too. Great, thank you. So it's that, that <clears throat> giving what we've got uh, is, is the key thing and understanding that we all have something. Now, uh, Mark, Sally, can we just very quickly pick up a couple of things? These are the kind of questions, I'm not going to ask them to answer them all, but because, again, I want us to anchor this in the reality of where we are. How do you cast a mantle? Who do you cast it on? How do you know who to, who to cast it on? Uh, how do you seek to empower them? How do you test their development? I know our time's gone, but I'm not asking you to answer all those, but if you could just give us a couple of practical examples of things you've actually done. I think for me, it's um, spotting the light bulb in people. And what do I mean by that? Well, my time is fairly hectic. I have a fairly hectic schedule um, with work and family and core team and worship team, all that sort of stuff. And it's choosing where to invest my time. So it's one thing I ask God very carefully. Where do I invest? Where do I invest my time? And he puts certain people on my heart. And for those, I make that extra time move things around, I shift stuff around to make sure that I'm available to them. Um, one of the people this year has been Darren with being my dooley. Um, I took that on even though I was really busy because I felt that nudge from God to say invest into him. And I've got as much out of it as I've put into Darren, but we've built a relationship over the last 12 months which I believe is going to be very key moving forward. But it's because God gave me that nudge to say yes, that, that's one. And it comes in all sorts of ways. We, we hooked up over meals, breakfast. I invited them to be part of our family and hectic family t meal times and stuff. And I've exposed them to everything that I'm a part of. And from that, I'm hoping that's going to replicate on as well. Um, but a lot of the stuff, I found myself replicating it because I saw it in John. John's given his time, his energy, lots of time. We've shared lots of laughs and lots of tears along the way over the last, I don't know how many years it is now. But likewise, I caught something from John. I said, I want that. Mm. And through doing that, he made himself available. Mm. I'm now replicating the same thing to other individuals that God puts on my heart. Thanks, Mark. I think that, that highlights a couple of points, particularly that we've covered. One is that, that kind of direction. I think you said shone the light. Or, yeah, it's like a light bulb. Yeah, like a light bulb. Uh, a direction from God, very definite, very clear. And then the idea of... of giving of yourself. Not, it's not a training program where somebody sits and just listens. Sally? Yeah, I think it's very similar for me, really. Um, one example would be the way that Gwyn serves me in the Open Doors team. And she, she just, she'll get there early. She sets up the chairs. She just happens to drop into the conversation. She's been to visit someone. Um, 
and it's a lot of it is kind of behind the scenes but I suppose what I've just picked up is that heart really and so I feel like my part in that is to say to her but what you're doing is really important this really makes a difference to people and I know that she's someone that I can entrust with going to take someone to an appointment or she goes and visits someone just very faithfully but I could just have not seen that and just thought oh that's just what Gwyn does but just trying to spot that and then try and encourage that and help her to realize that that is something very important it makes her a very key part of the team and the team operates better as a result of her doing what god's given her to do great that, that's excellent again because that is giving the issue of giving significance recognition and being open and aware for god to to nudge with that point of encouragement that point of recognition so that's very helpful thank you very much all right we're going to finish now, and again, there's opportunity for prayer, uh, if you'd like prayer. Uh, but we're not going to finish the subject, because this is something that we have to take up and embrace and function in, not just know about. You know what I mean? It's not just a time to listen, but a time to actually see how can that be applied. And we're working on that in coming days. Good. Okay, let's fellowship together. Prayer teams here. If you'd like prayer, 